Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, on a Friday night after the Bucks beat the Thunder 133 to 86, led by a skillless 32 points, 13 <laughs> rebounds, and six assists. The night started with a skillless dunk, then skillless jump shots. And the night finished with the most skillless placement ice on knees I've ever seen in my life. But the Bucks hand the Thunder a franchise record loss. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, well, first off, I guess we'll, we'll talk about the, the James Harden drama later, maybe a little bit for those who are wondering why you keep, why you keep referring to, to skillless. Like, why does um, Kane we'll, hate Giannis? Yeah. We'll, like, we'll explain, we'll explain that old joke. Um, I mean, you know, I was watching the game on ESPN and, you know, they ran a couple of stats at towards the end that it was, uh, I think this was Giannis's eighth. I think they said eighth 30 and 10 game in under 30 minutes uh, this season, <laughs> which is an, an NBA record. Uh, and then they also said this was the Bucks' third 40-plus point uh, victory of the season, which was also an NBA record. And that, that actually surprised me a lot, right? Because, I mean, I don't know. Like, it seems like you see 40-plus point victories not – I don't know, it doesn't seem like a hyper, hyper rare thing. Um, so for, for no team to ever do it uh, three times in a season before kind of surprises me a little bit. But um, <laughs> obviously – when you kind of back away from it and you think, man, how is easy is it to beat an NBA team by 40 plus points? It is not easy. Uh, and for the Bucks to do it against um, an Oklahoma City team that, granted, they were coming off a back-to-back, you know, so I mean, that's always a factor. But, uh, I mean, they're missing Danilo Gallinari as well. But, I mean, this has been a good team. Like, it's, it's you know, it's not like um, they didn't have anybody that was out there. Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Steven Adams. Um, but I think we saw, you know, people always kind of have, well, I mean, going back years have joked about the problems the, the Thunder have just in terms of their wing depth, especially offensively. And, um, I mean, to me, that was the, the, the very obvious issue tonight. I think they started Hamadou Diallo on uh, Giannis, and they did not have a, like, blitzing, doubling scheme. They, they seemed to just kind of be resigned to trying to play Giannis straight up. And, um, you know, with Chris Middleton out with a, a sore neck, um, Giannis dished out a lot of sore necks tonight with his aggressiveness. And, uh, you know, uh, if you, if you don't kind of bother to kind of cook up a special scheme for him, I think we saw tonight, it's just going to be too easy and kind of hurt the, hurt the thunder every which way inside, outside and 32 points and 27 minutes. Uh, you know, it, it was a very easy night at the office for Giannis and, um, you know, Giannis doing that plus, a three-point barrage around him 
that that's obviously a recipe for very good things. And obviously defensively, Thunder are a team that you can uh, concede a lot of threes to, and they're not necessarily going to harm you a whole lot, um, especially with Gallinari hurt. And that's what we saw tonight. Bucks making threes, Thunder not making threes, and we know what kind of advantage the Bucks have inside, especially when Giannis is doing his thing. And so net net a a well, I mean it was competitive there for what a quarter and a half or so, but yeah. um, you know ultimately Giannis and the Bucks just sort of turned it on in that second quarter and uh, a very 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 easy night at the office as that final score indicates. Yeah, it was 46 to 43 with just under five minutes left. That was when uh, we saw Gilgis Alexander uh, finish a pretty tough floater and he was fouled by Robin Lopez. So uh, he ended up missing the free throw. But at that point, it's a three-point game with under five minutes still until halftime. And the Thunder was sort of hanging around, but the Bucks rip off a 24 to four run going into the half. Giannis had 13 of those points. And I, I think the biggest thing that you saw tonight uh, – the difference between these two teams, both teams were missing a, a really, really important player for what they're trying to do. Uh, you already mentioned Gallinari and for OKC and Middleton for uh, Milwaukee, but that's the difference between the Bucks being a great team, a great regular season team right now on, on pace for 70 wins, and the Thunder who, uh, you know, coming into tonight, fifth in the West. I mean, they're, they're having one hell of a season. After a little bit of a slow start, they've been on an absolute tear the last couple of months here. So, that's the difference between the, the levels that these two teams are at, though. You take a starter away from the Thunder, and, and they're going to completely uh, become uncompetitive against the best, whereas the Bucks, right up and down the roster, they just, they just slot in another guy. Dante DiVincenzo has become Bud's go-to starter when someone's out, whether it's Bledsoe, whether it's uh, Middleton, or, or you know, obviously Weston Matthews if he was out. Dante is the guy that he goes to. He had an impact tonight in his usual way in terms of uh, he had a big offensive rebound. Just putting himself in the right spots, as we've seen. But the other guys to step up, Pat Connaughton, 14 points, Hill, 14 points. And then Wes Matthews also had 14 and, and hit his threes early. The Bucs just have this ability that they miss a really, really important player against a good team. But they've got a bunch of guys that would probably be starting caliber players on other teams that just are, are ready to step up, slot in, and pick up the slack. And we saw that tonight. Yeah, everybody who suited up scored for the Bucks, and yeah. all but two guys hit three-pointers. Thanasis, who <laughs> actually had a pretty decent game, six points, five rebounds, two steals in nine minutes. Uh, he missed his only three-point attempt, didn't miss by much. And Brooke Lopez, 0 for 4. Everybody else on the roster uh, who played tonight hit a three-pointer, um, and that probably speaks volumes um, about what you know, was the difference between these two teams. 52-44 bucks advantage in the paint, so not, not a massive advantage. And even on two-point percentage, 53% for the Bucks, 48% for uh, the Thunder, which, you know, we talked about the other day, what the Raptors were in the mid-30s, I think, 36%, something on that order. So, um, you know, they, the, the Thunder actually competed okay in the kind of area that the Bucks normally dominate in. But um, as, you, you know, as we were saying, just... <clears throat> nothing to speak of in terms of three-point shooting. Six out of 35 for Oklahoma City and 21 for 45 from the Bucks. I think that was a season-high tying, I think I heard someone say. And uh, 34 assists compared to 14 assists for the Thunder. And another number that is not typically something we see, but um, 
31% offensive rebound rate for the Bucks. They got 14 offensive rebounds, uh, which is a, a very big number. And they were 91% defensive rebound rate. So massive advantage on the glass as if they, you know, as if they needed it. Uh, they also had a big advantage on the glass tonight. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> this is, you know, when you, when you think about just how good this Bucks team has been, just, you know, putting it, putting it on teams early and just stomping them out. And, um, you know, this game was, was never competitive after that, that stretch there late in the second quarter. And, you know, you just look at the point differentials, 31, 24 in the first quarter. That was, that was the best quarter for the, for the, for the Thunder when they lost by seven and a quarter, uh, second quarter, 39 to 23 minus 16, third quarter, 37 to 22 minus 15, fourth quarter, four, 26 to 17. Um, just a complete domination uh, of the Thunder by the Bucks. So, yeah, 51 wins, eight losses. Um, you know, the Bucks just keep on keeping on. And uh, we've seen we've seen of late. There have been a number of games where you know the the Bucks starters really were the engines of of victories. And you know, we saw the bench be all kind of like negatives, or you know, like you look at the plus minus, you can kind of see like where where the Bucks and which which groups had success. And tonight pretty funny to look at Giannis plus 44 <laughs> in 27 minutes. Um, math West Matthews plus 32. Interestingly though, the other three starters, Brooke, Eric and Dante were all between plus one and plus seven. So, you know, it sort of told, tells you how uh, it was more of those mixed lineups uh, that really kind of turned the screws. George Hill plus 38 in 19 minutes, four out of four, two out of two from the three point arc. Uh, and Connaughton, who, as you mentioned, shot really well tonight. He was plus 36 in 18 minutes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this was, um, you know, I mean, this was comprehensive, you know, top to bottom. And uh, just a luxury to be able to do this when you're missing Chris Middleton. And no surprise, you know, Giannis is always a focal point. With Chris Middleton out, he was even more of a focal point. And um, conveniently, they didn't even need to, didn't even need to, well, they had an Adetokounmpo out on the floor in the fourth quarter, but it didn't need to be honest. So I, I always and, – and it's funny that you mentioned the 40-point the wins, and that's their third for the season and, and obviously a record, as, as you pointed to. But when I think about this Bucks team, the reason why those 40-point wins are so rare is because, as we know, like a team might run up the score and then they bring in the, the garbage time lineups, uh, I suppose. And, and from then, you know, gradually – the, the team will tail off a little bit and I'll come back to 20 points or somewhere around there. But the thing with this Bucks team is that the guys that aren't playing, I mean, first of all, you mentioned Thanasis. I mean, that guy's only got one, one way that he plays regardless of the situation. Depends. It doesn't matter how much the Bucks are winning by, but the other guys that come in, in this garbage lineup, garbage time lineup, not garbage lineup. There's something he's sober. Someone who's been entrenched in the, in, in the, in the rotation ever since Bob came here, all of a sudden gets a chance to play. He wants to play well. He wants to come yeah. in and have good minutes. And all these guys are hungry. Pat Connaughton, you already, you already touched on. So that's the difference between this Bucks team. Their garbage time lineup is actually pretty damn good. And I was thinking about this the other day. And without getting too carried away with the Bucks and, and, and everything like that, if you think about the Bucks, what their starting five would be if you took out their actual starters, and you might have Robin Lopez, Marvin Williams, uh, Pat Connaughton, DiVincenzo, George Hill a lot of those guys would be starting on a lot of teams around the NBA. Like their second five 
is very, very good. And so that's why we're seeing all these games where the bench units come in and, and have such a positive point differential. And it's probably why Bud is like, yeah, I can trust these guys. They're great. They dominate teams because he's got legitimate starting <coughs> players coming in off the bench. Now, we know that that's going to change in the playoffs as the quality goes up. But on any given night, uh, those guys can come in and contribute. And, and the Bucks have just got an unreal second unit, honestly. Yeah, the interesting thing is, like, they're not um, – they don't have kind of, like, the, the real, like, traditional firepower type guys, right? Sure. It's not yeah. like – I think the Clippers are probably the most extreme example yeah. where you've got, you know, two essentially 20-point scorers and Lou and, and Harrell coming off the bench. And the Bucks don't have that. They just have a bunch of guys who, like, all could be role-playing starters if you needed them. So um, I think, you know, I, I, it's still amazing to me how good they've been when, like, both Chris and Giannis sit. Like, the fact that they yeah. can play as well as they do without Chris and Giannis on the floor is pretty amazing to me. Um, because you would think you need somebody who's like a real like shot creator, just kind of vol- more volumetric type score um, out on the floor. But um, you know, they just it it is. I think that's interesting because like the way that those guys play, just like really fundamental ball movement, um, execution style offense with Giannis and Chris. Um, it, it's interesting that the system still actually works pretty well, even when those guys aren't out there. Um, and, and so that's, I think, you know, a testament to the way they're coached and obviously the way these guys play and and execute and kind of do their jobs. And, um, and obviously, you know, defensively just, you know, again, if you, if you always defend, then, you know, you can always keep yourself in games, even if, even if you necessarily aren't always shooting the lights out, especially with some of those second unit groups. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely been, been fun to just see how, fungible these these groups are and these rotations are and these players are just being able to slot guys in and, and not miss beats you know we saw as awesome as chris has been this season you know when he was out for those those couple of weeks they didn't miss him when bledsoe was out for those couple of weeks you know they lost i think one or two games um but it wasn't like you know we were all counting down saying like boy this team is screwed without bledsoe right they yeah they, they were just fine and in the fourth quarter i mean Pat Connaughton and Sterling Brown were playing the point guard positions for the majority of that quarter, or pretty much all that quarter, I think, yeah. because the Bucks, for better or worse, do not have a third string point guard who actually like suits up most nights. Frank Mason, who's essentially like barely ever suits up, um, you know, he's technically is the third point guard on his roster, but he's generally not playing because he's a G leaguer essentially. He's two way guy. So, um, so that's kind of what's especially remarkable is that, you know, I mean, as nice as, as Pat Connaughton's been this year and as much as Sterling Brown shows flashes, you, you shouldn't be able to dominate with those in garbage time with those guys playing point guard. Um, but, you know, Bucks just – they just grind. They just grind on you. And uh, it, it was obviously just a, another example of that tonight. And, you know, Bledsoe, you, you would have thought, oh, you need Bledsoe to step up yeah. with, with Middleton out. And he takes six shots, scores seven points, five assists, five rebounds. Um, only plays 22 minutes you know it wasn't even really a night where he even had to even do much um, but again it, Giannis was dominant uh, we saw him kind of mixing in mid-range shots we saw him hit two out of four threes he hit four out of five from the foul line including another technical free throw mm-hmm. randomly uh, late in the second quarter when the Bucks were up a ton but uh, yeah it was uh, it was you know just the Bucks being the Bucks, and I, I don't know I mean it, these last few days, I've just sort of been 
I don't know, just reflecting at times at, I mean, just how dominant a season this has been. And we, a night. we talk about, yeah, I mean, we talk about appreciating Giannis and all that. And, and again, just savor this guys. Like, yeah, you know, this is 25. It's not like he should be going downhill anytime soon, but um, we, we all, you know, athletes have finite shelf lives. It goes by quickly. And uh, if you're not enjoying him now, you know, in 10 years, you're going to wish that, that you enjoyed this time. Uh, he's just such a sight to behold on a basketball court and this team, I mean, you know, like guys, they have the best point differential in NBA history right now. Like this is just not normal. What you're seeing is not normal. And we know it, it has to pay off in a title for it to really be satisfying. But um, I mean, it, it's just remarkable. I, I, you can't give enough credit to the players, to the coaches for how well they are just taking this, you know, season by this, you know, they're, they're just seizing the season and just dominating it in a way that, um, you know, again, like you're talking about only the, the best teams in NBA history have ever done something like this. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. So this is actually a good time. And I, I sh- this tweet has just come across my timeline from uh, someone I work with, a friend of mine, Micah Adams. He used to be at ESPN stats and info. So he's always got the good numbers and uh, that point differential right now through 59 games, the, the uh, 73 win warriors through 59 games plus 660, the 72 win bulls plus 697. The fifty-one and eight bucks right now plus seven hundred and fifty-six. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's not even close. Now, clearly, if you have a forty-seven point win, that's that's going to help you a little bit. So, it's it's probably pretty good timing. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it it is absurd. And on nights like tonight, it, there's sometimes it's like tough to really you know take anything from the win or, or pinpoint things that were a positive. But one thing that uh, for me that I noticed and, and I asked Bud about this post game was Wesley Matthews and I, I pointed to the 14 points that he already had and the ability that this was a guy last season even and throughout his whole career but as uh, recently as last season with Indiana a guy that was a focal point of, of offenses wherever he's been he's been a guy that's been taking a lot more shots he's had to have uh, or take a, an extreme back seat and his role a lot of the times has been defensively and I think that that has, has honestly helped Chris Milton a lot. A lot of the times, the matchups that Chris would be getting, Wes is taking those right now. But for the second time this week, we've seen, I don't want to say young players because Pascal Siakam is you know not really that young, but let's, let's just say rising players that like to do a lot of work in the paint, can score in a variety of ways going to the basket. Gildas Alexander and Siakam this week have just been suffocated by this Bucks paint defense. We know it's the best in the league. But when you see that up close tonight, Gildas Alexander, just 5 for 12, only 11 points. I mean, this is a guy that's averaging 20 per game on the season. This is a big part of the point differential. We know the points that they can score. They put up 133 tonight. But to, to keep an NBA team like the Thunder with, with a, a variety of guys that can hurt you, a variety of guys that can score in different ways to 86 points, the Raptors the other night to 97 points. I mean, this defense just feels like it's somehow getting better and better. And if there's a, an opposition player that the Bucs are coming up against that, that likes to work in the paint and score at the basket, they're just getting destroyed. And it's, uh, it's fun to watch, but uh, it's, it's also kind of shocking. I mean, we should know. We watch the Bucs every single night, but uh, they're, they're just putting on a defensive clinic.
Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I'm curious if, if if teams will begin to try to like replicate the, what the Bucks do, like more sure, more consciously over the next year or two. Um, and again, not that the Bucks are like the first team to ever think about doing kind of what they're doing. I mean, um, you know, I think you, you can go back to like pop teams who have you know historically tended to play bigger. Um, you know, you, you just think back to like the Duncan era teams that that tended to always play another big guy with Tim Duncan and, and, you know, they just said, we're just going to use size. We're going to take away the inside. And maybe it wasn't as, as pronounced or as obvious because teams weren't trying to shoot as many three pointers back then either. Right. Like now it's more noticeable because the sacrifice is so obvious, right? Like the fact that you do this, you know, the, the penalty for playing the way the bucks play should be higher, right? With the way teams shoot three pointers. Now, you would think, oh, well, you know, it's, it, it, it made more sense to do this a long time ago than it does now. But obviously what we're seeing in terms of results, uh, and this is where I think the Giannis effect kind of, um, you know, it's so hard to parse like how you, give, how you ascribe credit for how good the Bucks defense is. And this is probably why, you know, no one from the Bucks is going to win Defensive Player of the Year because Giannis and Brooke are both too good uh, and they'll split votes, which – you know, it is what is what it is. Um, you know, Giannis in the post game was talking about Brooke as a defensive player of the year candidate, sure. which is pretty cool because Giannis is in some people's eyes the defensive player of the year. Um, so for him to be openly campaigning for his teammate, I think just says a lot about the kind of guy Giannis is and you know, his unselfishness and um un- unlike certain uh, great players who just are super thirsty for awards can't imagine who I'm talking about here, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, that's really not not what Giannis kind of, you know, spends his free time worrying about is is whether his legacy has enough hardware and it's in its mantle or whatever. But um, but I, I think again, like it's one thing to play um to have like a great rim protector, right? I mean, there have been great rim protectors through every era. Um and you know that that's that's not necessarily new, but to have a great rim protector and then put him next to a guy in Giannis who can also completely change how teams are willing to attack. You know, I mean, with Giannis, again, it's, it's, it's more of even just a deterrent thing. Like, you know, in transition, he gets back so well, people don't want to challenge him, right? Like he'd probably block a lot more shots if people hadn't been getting blocked by him and get been put on highlight reels for so many years. Right. Like people are just afraid to challenge him. And then, the fact that he takes away what teams want to do inside while also being able to, you know, move around the court, um, you know, can switch, can cover up for teammates rotations. Um, he just is like kind of the, the ultimate, um, you know, kind of, I'm trying to think of the best, the best term for it. You know, I was going to say Trump card, but there's, there's, a, there's definitely better analogies for it, but, you know, he, he just wipes away mistakes and he, he, he just fills in so well for, for any, any, any mistakes that guys make, um, you know, he makes everything, everything better. And just, it's just hard to, hard to attack the bucks. Um, and especially when Giannis is out there. So, um, yeah, the historic defense is, is obviously just something that you, you can't say enough about. And, you know, meanwhile, uh, you know, you mentioned all these teams that, in the last week haven't scored a hundred on the bucks yeah. while we all know the bucks 
if there's one certainty about them night to night, it's they always score 100 points. <laughs> and even though their their defense is historically great, their offense is is merely elite. Um, but you know, we saw tonight, even without Chris Middleton, they're able to score at just a ridiculous, ridiculous pace too. All right, before we uh, we look to wrap this one up, I, I I don't think that we could have a pod tonight without touching on. Uh, as you sort of pointed to, thirsty James Harden when it comes to winning awards. Or maybe, or maybe uh, like uh, sad James Harden. I'm not sure. But for those that missed it, we know there's been a little bit of back and forth between those two. Last season, James Harden uh, just w- would would talk to anyone that would listen to him that, that he said that he thought he should have been the MVP. He's very, very upset about that. Uh <laughs> Giannis, very clearly, it, the voting would suggest that it wasn't that close. And I think we would believe, we are a little bit biased, but we would believe that Giannis was the MVP last season pretty clearly. Now, this season, there's been a little bit of back and forth. Giannis, we know when he was picking his team for the All-Star game, uh, joked. And he was laughing, he was smiling. Everyone was, thought, everyone was having a good time. He said that he picked uh, Kemba Walker over James Harden because he wanted someone that was going to pass the ball. Uh, then, of course, post-All-Star game, there was Giannis uh, mentioning that the team was uh, team Giannis was targeting whoever James Harden was defending down the stretch in the game. Now, there's really no reason for Giannis to, A, make that up, but B, he didn't really need to say that probably. He was probably, and I don't know whether that was because it was James Harden that he said that. I don't know whether he is just too honest for his own good. I'm not too sure. But either way, James Harden has been very upset by that, it would seem. And in an interview with Rachel Nichols today, uh, Harden basically said, it would be easier if I was seven feet tall and could just run and dunk the ball. I actually have to have skill with the way I play. Uh, He also pointed to the fact that he averages more assists than Kemble Walker, so he didn't really understand what the joke was that Giannis was trying to make. And my big problem with this is I don't even care about James Harden as a player. He's he's great. I mean, he's having a, he's having a he, he's a fantastic score, scorer, one of the best scorers in the league, one of the best scorers in history. That's just the facts. Whether you like watching him or not, he's an incredible basketball player. But because he is such a good basketball player and an MVP winner, I don't understand why he lets this bother him so much, and I don't know why he continues to put himself out there in the public eye, looking like such a whining, crying child. He's just going to keep being ridiculed if he keeps acting like this because him coming out there and saying that just makes him look stupid. And then Giannis comes out on TV tonight and the ESPN broadcast and says, wow, there's no back and forth between us. I, I just want to win. I, I'm having fun. If it, if it came across anything that I said was, was you know in that way or offensive, I didn't mean that. I'm just focused on winning. I'm not worried. But James Harden is, is out here trying to ignite this thing between two teams that really never play each other. They play each other twice a season. I doubt... They're going to meet in the NBA Finals. I just don't think that James Harden has helped himself in any way along this entire stretch. And Giannis comes out looking great, and Harden comes out looking like, uh, as I said, a whining, crying infant. I mean, the only the only rivalry he's stoking is the one inside my house between me and and my <laughs> yeah, exactly, wife, who's exactly. a Rockets fan. So, um, no, actually, thankfully, um, that there's been my wife is, is has no interest in. The, this this fake rivalry um yeah i mean it's kind of interesting i mean there, there were some clips um circulating today kind of going back all the way to Giannis's second season when he had a little bit of a tiff on court late in a game that the rockets were winning in milwaukee uh where they were kind of 
jabbering at Giannis, or Harden had a push off offensive foul on Giannis, and Giannis kind of like wanted the ball and Harden wouldn't give it up, and they were like jabbering a little bit. And so, yeah, I mean, this this goes back a ways. Um, whether that, how much that, you know, is is part of this, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting, and I think um, you can kind of see why a guy like Harden would let's just say maybe not be, um, you know, Giannis's favorite type of type of player. Right. Because again, he's maybe not the, uh, you know, most dedicated two way type player. Although I think Harden's better defensively than maybe especially his rep used to be. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and I think just to set it clear, cause I, I thought the, the question, um, the question from Rachel Nichols, I thought was kind of annoying and baiting because first off, I went back and watched the actual video from the draft and, you know, basically, I mean, to be clear here, you know, Giannis picks Joel, or sorry, it was LeBron picked AD, Giannis picked Joel Embiid. Then uh, uh, LeBron picked Kawhi Leonard and Giannis made it sound like he wanted, he was going to pick Kawhi Leonard. And he said, all right, I'll take my African brother, Pascal Siakam, which at that point is like kind of stupid. Like he obviously should have picked the guard probably at that point. Um, and then uh, I forget who at that point, who LeBron took at that point. Um, but bottom line, then when uh, oh, and then he took Luka Doncic. And then Giannis is all he wanted to take Luka Doncic. And at that point he says, um, and it's Harden, Trey Young, and Kemba Walker. Um, and he, I think, I think what he actually said was he didn't mention James Harden. He just said, I think he just said, well, I'm deciding between Kemba Walker and Trey Young. Uh, and I think he said something like, cause I need someone who's going to pass, pass the ball. And of course, yes. Like, is that a little bit of a shot at James Harden? Sure. But he also didn't say like James Harden doesn't pass the ball, which is kind of like what I think Rachel Nichols framed the question as. And Charles Barkley even was the one who like basically made a joke referred to James Harden as the dribbler. Um, and then even, even when it went back to uh, LeBron, it was Trey Young and Harden and like LeBron didn't even like immediately pick Harden. <laughs> like it was actually, it's actually kind of funny to watch it. Cause it's like LeBron almost seems to hesitate to pick Harden as well. Um, but there, there were no jokes about uh, Harden not willing to pass. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, guess what? James, it's it's not your assist your assist numbers that are concerning. It's the fact that you just dribble the ball and don't pass and always shoot like that. There's a difference between you know your assist numbers and whether you pass the ball. Right? Harden's a great passer, like when he wants to. Right? He's a terrific passer, but obviously in that Houston offense, um, it's constructed for him to to not really do that much. Especially now, I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious with with Capella gone. At least when Capella was around, like he through some cool lob passes and stuff. Now he's pretty much going to be purely a kickout guy, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the kind of aspects of this sort of missed the point. And I, in some ways, like I thought probably today was, was maybe the, the, the least I was kind of annoyed of James Harden. Cause Rachel Nichols basically like said, Giannis is making fun of you. What do you think? Right. So it was kind of like begging Harden to like defend himself and go after Giannis, which, sure obviously you know he'll take the bait on that because he's too prideful and you know obviously i I don't think he'd really thought through his answer obviously because saying like you know Giannis is just 
tall and can just dunk the ball. And I have to be, it didn't come off as a very, you know, well, well thought through point. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like I, I think what you pointed out is, is right. I mean, I think so much of this just goes back to the fact that Harden so desperately wants to, um, to be the MVP and is, you know, uh, like comments last summer, just like about how his, his season was legendary. I think he said like, Oh, you know, the kid, the kid had a great season, but I mean, you know, the things I did and those are legendary. It's like, yeah. Like Giannis. <laughs> no, first of all, like, it's not for you to decide. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, like, okay. But it's like also Giannis's numbers were legendary. It's, you know, you, you just scored a lot of points, right. Which was amazing. But um, you know, I hope, I hope someone's pointed out to him that Giannis is scoring more points per minute this year than he is. Um, so anyway, it's, you know, as you said, like, it's, it's kind of weird because these teams are likely never, ever going to play in the playoffs and they only play twice a year. And it's not like these two guys really face off against each other, even when they do, when the teams do face one another. So it's a weird rivalry, but it's also, I think that's kind of makes it sort of fun too, because there's something kind of like harmless and weird about it. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, Giannis from a PR perspective always wins because he really doesn't care about the awards. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, like the, the, the people that, um, uh, you know, if you think about like, uh, uh, like for some reason, I don't know, this is like a weird analogy to make, but you know, in, in game of Thrones, right? Like why do people love Jon Snow so much? It's cause he doesn't want to be a leader. He doesn't care about being a King. And that's what makes him awesome. Like he's just this badass hero dude. And he's just, about it for the right things and that's Giannis. Jan is Jan Snow he's our he's our Game of Thrones Jon Snow, <laughs> Jon Snow in the basketball court he doesn't care about he literally like isn't worried about the MVP dude just wants to win kill some you know white walkers and uh you know save save the world and bring Milwaukee a championship and that just is extremely appealing like people who are great and know it and they don't you know they don't need to beg um, and it's, it's especially funny because Harden has won an MVP, as you pointed out. So the fact that he gets so hung up on it is, is just kind of very funny. And I, I don't know, I'd sort of forgotten that there was this like huge, well, not huge, but there's like that under the CD underbelly of like salty James Harden fans on like Twitter and stuff, which I mean, thankfully it's not like I'm having to engage with these people, but you know, people who just think like Giannis is like actually not as good as James Harden which I'd sort of forgotten about because it's just kind of like, you know, at this point it's like obviously Giannis is going to win MVPs over, over Harden. So it's kind of just like funny that, oh, yeah, yeah, last year this was kind of a debate. And now obviously it's just like not even a, a discussion for uh, anybody who, who actually like matters and has an MVP vote. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is why it's so difficult for me to try and understand – Harden's point of view here. You remember back to last year when Houston came to town and uh, I don't know, oh, yeah. they put in the ad so in the weird. Journal Sentinel. So weird. And it's like, what are you actually trying to achieve from this season? Like, if you ask me whether I think that Giannis would swap his MVP for a ring last season, I, he would do that before you even got the chance to finish the offer. If you ask me whether James Harden could swap his MVP for a ring 
I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> and, and this is the difference between these two. And this is the difference between this rivalry that makes me laugh is that I can genuinely picture James Harden going to bed each night just like cursing Giannis and, and cursing that MVP last season and being very upset about it. And you just know that Giannis does not care. He doesn't think about James Harden. He doesn't think about this, whatever this is. I, I don't even know if it's a rivalry, but whatever it is, you know that Giannis just goes about his business, comes out today. He's asked about a pregame, gives the, the, the right answer that you know he's supposed to give and it's, it's the proper PR or uh, whatever you want to call it. But then he comes out. Drops another 30 and 10 in, in under 30 minutes. The Bucks pick up win 51 and he goes home and, and probably sleeps very well, depending on how, you know, Liam, Liam goes tonight. But, yeah. this, is, but this, is, this is just the difference for me. And, I, and I, this is why we love Twitter. We love Twitter for the memes. And every time I think about James Harden now, I saw this on Twitter over and over. For the Dragon Ball Z fans out there, I always think of this. Could you hear that? Uh, I could. I heard cry at the end. I, I'm. I, I. I know what Dragon Ball. I think I know what Dragon Ball Z is. I can't say I watched it. Um. So I'll. I'll. You know. I'll just take your word for it. But. Um. Yeah. There's. There's something. There's. There's just something very. Um. And I. I mean, I consume a lot of hardened content because obviously my family, my in-laws, everybody's a Rockets fan. Um. And I'm in Texas and. It's just kind of interesting. He's definitely a guy who, like, it, he cares a lot about cultivating this image of kind of greatness and creativity and, um, you know, like, the, like, he tries so hard, like, with his weird fashion stuff, too, you know? Um, so it, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, he's a strange-looking guy, but, like, he, he probably thinks he's very attractive as well, uh, even though he's kind of one of the stranger you know, looking NBA superstars in history with the beard. I mean, it's his, it's his look. He owns it. Um, but I, I don't know. He's very, he clearly takes obviously himself very seriously. Uh, and, um, you know, it's obviously taken him very far, but um, there are obviously, you know, we've obviously seen kind of limitations to that. And uh, he's obviously a guy who I would say is uh, um, maybe, uh, maybe has some, some hubris issues that have uh, at times caught up with him. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think with the honesty, he, he generally doesn't really care that much. I think, I think, I think in, in this case, like some of the comments he's made, um, I, th I think he's, he knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, he's not, um, I don't think he's trying to create a feud with James Harden, but is he, is Giannis sort of like poking the bear a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's poking the bear a little bit. Um, but I think, again, he also knows that he has the moral high ground, and um, that's what's kind of so funny about it is that, you know, Harden can't really do anything. Can't there, there's no real argument that Harden can make because he's just he just comes back to looking like he cares too much about his own his own uh, his own image at the end of the day. He cares too much about his own uh awards and uh and meanwhile Giannis I think legitimately doesn't worry about it and he's the one that keeps winning them yeah no question I, I think at this point uh Giannis is in a, a pretty good position when it comes to this battle and they will play in a few weeks so that's going to be interesting we'll have to see how fired up James Harden is but uh when you look at these numbers against Milwaukee uh recently he, he hasn't fared too well particularly shooting the ball so that'll be something to look forward to but 
Uh, we did just have to touch on that. It was kind of funny today and it was everywhere. It was on every single TV show. But the Bucks just cruise to a, uh, a, a handy 47-point win over the Thunder, 133-86. to 86. They're 51-8, and eight, as you said. Just make sure everyone is appreciating this and how ridiculous it is because sometimes you just need to look at the standings and see how big the gap is between the Bucks and literally every single other team in the NBA to realize how dominant they've been. I already pointed to the point differential numbers. Uh, they're putting together a, a historic run. And while we all look forward to the playoffs and we, we think about that and what could potentially happen, it's definitely worthwhile to just uh, you know, take stock of where this team is right now, what Giannis is doing and what uh, his support cast is doing, what Middleton's doing. It's, uh, it's a pretty special run. But their difficult run sort of continues here. So they'll go on the road now for a back-to-back in Charlotte and then in Miami. So uh, particularly the Miami game on the second end of a back-to-back is going to be interesting. But... That'll be the start of a new week for Lockdown Bucks, so we'll be able to get to that as it happens after those games. But Frank, always appreciate you jumping on, particularly at near midnight on a Friday night. What else will we have to do? Honestly, I, I don't know. We're here. Well, I'm I'm gonna hit, go hit the town now. Um, yeah, you know, I got my got my uh, go go full dad mode uh, here at almost midnight on a Friday night. Uh, gonna go gonna get crazy out there. Celebrate a celebrate old Bucks win. And uh, you know, you know how I am. So, yeah. uh, hope everybody stays safe, make good life decisions, and uh, we'll we'll chat after this uh, uh, very exciting Hornets game on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>